It's good now? Yeah. You can hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I was in the Army Reserves for a brief time. No big deal. Didn't go anywhere. Most I ever did was just drive a bunch of shit from point A to point B in Canada for a reason I never learned. I never... They probably told it to me. I just didn't care about why. Uh, so one of the... Uh, one of the weirder moments that happened to me was when I was in AIT, which is, um, it's basically after basic training, it's your job training for your job. And my job was truck driver for some reason. I didn't know shit about trucks and I could barely drive a Pontiac Grand Prix I had, which you bought right when I yes. joined. <laughs> so now I'm driving these big rig trucks and they're like, yeah, you know what to do. I'm like, no, I don't. So anyway, I went to job training and uh, we had this one. We had a couple sergeants. Uh, one, I can't remember his name, but he made it clear from the moment we got there that we were wastes. Our job was useless in the army. He had been up to real shit his whole career. He was, I can't remember his job. He was some kind of infantry because basically before this, he was training guys to jump out of airplanes. Airborne. He was teaching airborne school. For some reason, I winded up here. Probably like fucked the wrong guy's wife or something. And it was punishment. So we had him. He told us right from the beginning, I hate being here. This is my last cycle. You're all nothing to me. I'm not going to learn any of your names. When this is done, I'm going to flip you off when you get off on that bus to go to the airport and you just flip me off right back. So that was his attitude. The whole was he leaving the army after that? No, he was going back to his old job. Okay, I have no idea the mechanics of how he ended up here, but. Whatever it was, he didn't want it, though. Yeah, he was. He got fucked. He was forced. Yeah, it just he happened to have 88 Mike, which is a truck driver in the army. He happened to have that on his, you know, qualifications. They were like, hey, we need a truck driver. And, you know, you fuck this guy's wife. Like, <laughs> so it was punishment. But uh, then we also had a guy, uh, Sergeant Newcomb. We called him Hurricane Newcomb because when he was on, they had like a, I can't remember what they call it. But basically, when you uh, slept, they had one sergeant stay. And most of them just let you be and they're like lights out at 10 or whatever. Nukem was never happy to be there. So he would storm upstairs. He would go through rooms. He would be like locker check right fucking now. Everyone's out in their underwear. He's just fucking throwing lotion around telling you you're a piece of shit. Like just craziness. This was his reputation. So uh, when we were leaving, we're all done. For some reason, we have to run from our graduation ceremony in like dress shoes and shit to this bus. I can't remember why. And when we're on the bus, this first sergeant I told you about, he comes on, he flips us all off, blah, blah, blah. So we flip him off, too. And uh, we're flipping him off as he walks off the bus. And as I turn, I see that my middle finger is pointing directly at Hurricane Newcomb because he's just standing outside with the other sergeants. And he zeroed in on me like I was talking, like he was in the war, like he was he was not in the U.S. anymore. He was back overseas. Like he was like this guy. He was, is he was in Afghanistan. Yeah. And he comes onto the bus. He's he's got his dick. He's like got his hand where his dick is. And he's just moving it around. He's like, get the fuck off. We're going to see who has the bigger dick. And he's walking closer and closer. I'm like, I think he's talking to me. I think he's talking to me. And then finally, he's right in front of me. And he's like, get the fuck off this bus. So he proceeds to tell me to take my plane ticket home, lay it on the ground and start doing push-ups. And every time my face hits the ground, I have to kiss the ticket because I'm kissing home goodbye because the bus is leaving without me. That's what I'm led to believe. And uh, he makes me do this for about 10 minutes. Meanwhile, this other sergeant who flipped us off and kind of knew the deal the whole time. He's just standing back laughing like no big deal to him. But uh, that was definitely the longest whatever it was. It could have been fucking five minutes. It felt like a lifetime. 
It was the longest short period of my life. So did you end up back on the bus? I did go back on the bus and then I looked at everyone like they were dead to me. What did he, uh, what did he say to you? Was he like, get get back on the bus? Yeah, he didn't say anything. He just went, get back on the bus private. I'm fucking done with you. That was it. But before that, he was like, you ain't going home. You're staying here. You're staying here. We're measuring dicks. This is it. This is your life now. These are the things he was saying to me. <laughs> I'm like 19 years old. Like, fuck, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's get into the songs. Okay. Because we each listen to this. Tell me how you've obviously listened to it before. I did no research on this album. I know very general information about Sturgill Simpson. I was a huge fan of his newest album, but I've never made like a deep dive into his old albums. I mean, I just sat down and listened to this from like song one until the last song. Mm -hmm. And it was a whole journey. And I don't usually listen to music like that. I know a lot of musicians do, but I almost never do that. I'm very song by song unless... uh, Unless it's someone I really like, then I'll sit down and just listen to the album. But I almost never do that. So that was kind of... And I think this is an album that's meant to be listened to from song one to song nine. Absolutely. It's It's, built for that. It's a whole journey from start to finish. Mm -hmm. So the first song on the album is Welcome to Earth, Pollywog. Welcome to Earth, yep. Do you know what a Pollywog is? Yeah, it's like a tadpole, right? Yes. But this is also a Navy term. Oh, okay. I don't know the Navy term. This is what I talked about with my dad. Okay. So there is a line crossing ceremony when you cross the equator when you're in the Navy. Yeah. Uh, And you're a polywog until you cross the equator. Oh, I've heard this equator thing. And then you're a shellback, which he mentions later in the album. Yeah. um, Once you cross the equator. And there's a whole ritual to it. So basically what it is, is the, the night before, uh, who's that? I got to see, uh, King Neptune mm-hmm. air quotes comes on board, which is, I think it's probably just officers and other mm-hmm. people dressing up. Um, his queen, Davy Jones, the Royal baby and the rest of the Royal court. <laughs> okay. So Pollywogs entertain the court with a talent show Mm -hmm. and whatever, you know, does it please the King? All that kind of shit. They receive a subpoena from Davy Jones for the next day. They have to stand before or kneel before King Neptune. Mm -hmm. He has to decide whether or not they're, I guess, I guess basically worthy of crossing the equator by sucking his fish dick. Uh, kind of. Oh, shit. That was a random <laughs> shot in the dark. <laughs> so, uh, they have to dress up. They wear all their clothes, like, inside out or backwards, and they have to do okay. a It's basically like a ha- hazing ceremony. Right. Very typical for the military. Yes. And, I, by the way, I've heard... I Now that you're saying it, I haven't heard this specifically, but I've heard variations from guys who have been in the Navy about having rituals for cro- crossing the equator. Mm-hmm. So I haven't heard this specific one, though. So this must be how it, like, started. This yeah. was... You have to kiss the royal baby's belly, which my dad told me they usually pick the, the fattest guy on the boat. Right. And they kiss have his big, t- sweaty gut. And they cover his belly in, in grease. Of course. 
I know. And sometimes the, uh, one of the things they, it's different for every single boat. Do how they, they make they, them jog first too? Decide to do it. I don't know. That's what I would do. Um, and like some of them, they make the, make a, make the polywogs eat a grape out of the fat guy's belly. Okay. I and, thought you were going to take that in a different direction. <laughs> I'm glad it was the belly. But yeah, it's them like crawling across the deck and getting stripped down. Yeah. And, just doing bullshit. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hazing bullshit. Yeah. But that being said, putting that in context for the album, Welcome to Earth, Polywog, mm-hmm. the first line on the album is, hello, my son, welcome to Earth. Yes. So I think that is some kind of metaphor there, too, where you cross that line, you're born. Yeah. And I thought uh, one of the things that was good about this song is it's, it's unapologetically straightforward, you know? He's really not like dancing around it. He's like, this is 100% what this is. This is an album for my son. Yeah. That's what this entire album is. He just lays it out here. The opening of it's kind of like a slow, almost ballad-like, very dreamy. When it was opening, I got David Bowie vibes. Interesting. I was like, this is how a David Bowie song could start. That was the very beginning, because then it kind of gets a little sea shanty, and he starts fucking with it. Yeah. You know? Well, once it really kicks in, it reminds me of... Um, cause that first part kind of happens and he's singing about his, his son. Yeah. Um, but one lyric I was curious to, to see what you kind of thought. Oh, I got about. one for you too. So I'll be curious what your grandfather is. always said, God's a fisherman. And yep. now I know the reason why I literally look, that's the line I wrote down. God's a fisherman. And now I know why I was going to ask you, what do you think that means? I don't know. Cause that was the one line of that song. He keeps everything so straightforward. And then you get to that one line and you're like, it's kind of what? metaphysical and vague. Right, because I didn't know if he was referring to, like, fishermen as fathers or what he was going for there. But it's a great line. Like, it sticks with you. Yeah. It sticks with you. Because he's basically saying, you know, my grandfather said this. It didn't make sense. I had a kid, and now it makes sense. Yeah. Neither of us have kids. Maybe that's True. it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe if you, that's why. If you're out there and you have a kid, maybe that line, you're like, yep, I get it. Maybe that, maybe we're just in the dark of because of because the rest of the song is really about him singing to his son and how he now has a music career and he's able to do this for a living, mm-hmm. but he has to leave all the time. So he's not yeah. able to be with him, which is why I said it's a surprisingly straightforward song. It's literally just a song to his son saying, here's what's going to happen. Sometimes I leave for work and I'm going to be sad when I come back and I see you've grown. He just doesn't care. He just puts it all into yeah. a real Real straightforward song. I liked it. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that one line means though. I don't know either. I honestly I don't even have a theory. I get he he I mean he is connecting this to fatherhood. So in some way I he's saying like but maybe maybe he doesn't even know what he said he means. Maybe, maybe he's literally saying, you know what my grandfather said this to me, I tried to figure it out forever. I had a kid and I just, just realized maybe he feels it. Yeah. Because he says a lot in this album, life is a dream. He compares life to a dream over and over again. And this album almost feels like, I mean, this is obviously he feels this way. He turned a new leaf with fatherhood. Yeah. And it's almost like he's not saying he knows what anything means. He's saying he's reached this point where he's treating life like a dream. And it's giving him an inner zen. So maybe that line is literally... I know what he means in the sense that, like, it can fucking mean anything. Yeah. And I'm not going to try to figure out such a, a concrete response. So I guess that's the only theory I would have about that line. 
Musically, um, this particular song, too, it reminds me, and Sturgill talked about this in his interview with uh, Mark Marin, that it was inspired by Elvis playing at Stax Records, mm-hmm. which was the record label where Isaac Hayes was on, Sam and Dave, all those people, all those great performers mm-hmm. from the, the late 60s and early 70s. So it's got that kind of Memphis R&B feel with the horns, too. Yeah. Yeah, we should say the the orchestra sound is in every song. He makes everything, no matter how simple the song is, everything on this album sounds really, really big. Yeah. Some of these songs, you literally, I mean, if you just close your eyes, you feel like you're in a big, almost like coliseum, you know, or a big stadium. You just well, feel I think like it's, it's very it's, theatrical. It's like you're looking at, at the uh, ocean from the boat. From the boat. Yeah. Like looking out at the world. Yeah, that's... Because that's the, the whole that's thing. It, it feels... Like the, the scale feels global for the album. Yeah. It feels huge. But it's talking about something pretty pretty normal. Pretty normal, yeah. Yeah, he's really sure. not... I mean, he's going into bigger questions through his son. Uh, So the next song... Breakers, Breakers Roar. Roar. Which... You go from a song that's a little positive to this one is a little more, uh, I won't say bleak, but somber. It's very, yeah, somber. Good, good choice of words. Yeah, I would say I really like this song. This might be my favorite of the album. Lyrically, the whole thing for me, it's continuing with the theme of the sea can be violent or tranquil, which is life. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, there was one line I heard. Well, it's a few lines, but uh, if someone just wrote this down as like a poem and showed it to me, I would be like, how are you not published? This is because it's amazing. He says, uh, thoughts turn to a love so kind just to keep me from losing my mind. The so enticing deep, dark sea. It's so easy to drown in your dreams. That's brilliant. Yeah, that is like that's other level writing. So easy to drown in your dreams, which is that's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, I think uh, this song is getting talking a little bit more about, you know, using the sea as a metaphor for the world and life. He's just talking about sometimes it gets tough there. And he says, I think another line, I think it was from this song. He says, uh, he says, uh, it's well, he says it's all a dream again. That becomes a theme. Mm -hmm. And then he says, you know, you'll have nights that feel like they never end, Mm -hmm. which is brilliant and great advice. To me, this particular song, it reminds me of uh, a phrase that, that I've always heard, which is you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're just getting out of a storm. That's a good. And because breakers roar. Yeah. You know, um, and that being said, it just uh, I don't know. There's just something about that where the way he's singing kind of the production on it, it sounds like the calm after the storm. Yeah. Where you're shipwrecked on the shore mm-hmm. and you just wake up on a beach and you're stranded on an island. And it feels like he's giving you this somber but strong message that you just went through a storm, get yourself up and you're going to go through another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pick yourself up. It's going to happen yeah. again. And I love uh, when he says, I'm telling you, it's all a dream. He says that a few times. And that became like a big theme for me through the whole thing. I almost thought that was like Sturgill kind of saying like, this is my theory about life after living so many years. Yeah. And I thought it was him basically saying, just treat life like a dream. Mm -hmm. You know, don't take it too seriously. You only have so much control. 
I thought that was a great line. And it's one he, he keeps going back to comparing life to a dream. So I thought that was one of the biggest themes of the album. I love that. Mm-hmm. Especially considering this is a father-son album. Yeah. You know, an album from father to son. That's just a great piece of philosophy to pass on to someone. Musically, one thing I liked about it is the guitar playing at the beginning. It sounds like whale noises. Yeah. Yeah, he goes for a lot of, uh, even when you hear the orchestra, he goes for a lot of, like, sea sounds. You know what I mean? He's not trying to, like, do a typical orchestra. He really is trying to kind of create this weird, like, chaotic mess of noises that's almost like the sea. And then it has its own piece of, like, tranquility because of that. Mm-hmm. But he does. It sounds like floating. Yeah, because he has literally, like, so, he has sounds clashing. You know what I mean? Where you're like, that's nothing like what I just heard. Yeah. Which is, you would think off-putting, but he does it in such a way that it it does get that C effect. Mm -hmm. You know, where you're looking at it as something very chaotic, but it feels very calm looking Mm -hmm. at it. So I thought that was great. So then we go on to... Keep it between the lines. Keep it between the lines. This might be one of my favorite songs <laughs> on this album. One. This was the one I know I, I heard before I, I, I did another dive on. What lyrics popped out to you for this one? Okay, let's see if I wrote any. There was okay. A- Don't... Oh, I, this was what I wrote down for lyrics. I have a bunch of shit about what it's about, but I said... Uh, Let's see if I can read my own handwriting. I said, don't burn two lanterns at the same time. No ship on the water is going to pay your rent. I thought that was great. Yeah, it is that good. so great. Like almost. And I mean, you could. That, these lines are so ambiguous. It seems like he it's almost David Lynchian. We're like, he knows what he's saying. You could say he's saying a thousand things. But like mm-hmm. that line to me was, I mean, he was saying don't. You know, give your all into one thing. Don't burn the candle at both ends because then you have no lanterns. Yes. And you're just stuck. And, you know, when he says, you know, no ship out on the water is going to pay your rent. I thought he was talking kind of directly about like art and dreams. Like, yeah, you want to go for that. But until you get there, it doesn't pay your rent. That's I. So that's very direct. I'm taking it. Uh, very it made literal. me think of him joining the Navy mm-hmm. and being like, don't have a oh. place back home where you're trying to pay rent. Okay. That's that was kind of my interesting. Inter- I like interpretation that. of I like it that. where it's like it's stupid to be Yeah. It's just because it's like the wisdom of life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was taking it as him saying, earn your dues. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that ship in the sea, that thing you're looking at, just by looking at it, it's not gonna get there. You know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like yours too. It's a great that's a great line. So verse three was one that I really liked. Okay. Don't let them try to upsell you. There's a reason they make chocolate and vanilla too. If there's any doubt, then there is no doubt. The gut don't ever lie. And the only word you'll ever need to know in life is why. I was going to say, I actually have that line written too. The only word you'll need to know in life is why. That's fucking I feel like that's the number one word that's gotten me trouble in life. (sighs) Well, why I... But, you know, he's saying when he's talking about life, he's talking about good and bad. Yeah, totally. But I think this is someone who, again, is he's not telling his son, like, here's the roadmap to happiness. He's just like stick to being who you are and just take the good with the bad. And I so I thought that, too, when he said the only word you'll need to know in life is why I'm like, well, why can being a why person? I know it can lead. That's a, that's an axe that swings both ways. 
can lead yes. to very, very low lows and it can lead to very high highs. But maybe this is Sturgill saying to his son, you know what? It's it's worth it. I did that. And mm-hmm. you know what? It's worth it. Because life's a dream. Because life's a dream. And if you ask why in the right way, then it can pay off. A lot of this one also, like the lyrical theme basically is... He even says in the song, do as I say, don't do as I've done. And he says, it don't have to be like father, like son. I wrote that down too. Which is all about skinning skinning your knee. Like he's basically saying you need to skin your knee in this song, but learn from your mistakes and learn from your lessons. Yeah. And maybe that's why he's saying, why is the one word you need to know? Because if you're not the person who asks why, you never learn anything. You stay ignorantly bliss, but you don't learn lessons. What do you think the term uh, keep it between the lines means? Well, the first thing that <laughs> that comes to mind is obviously someone like swerving on the road. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, keep it cool. Keep it between the lines. To me, I think he was saying, again, he's talking about life. He's talking about the good and the bad. But to me, he was saying, like, just keep focused. Keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to swerve, you're going to fuck up, you're going to end up in a ditch, but just do your best to keep it between the lines always. Yeah. You know, and as long as you're doing that, when you fuck up, you can handle it. You can bounce back. Yeah, you can bounce back. You can get back on the road. Stay in school, stay off the hard drugs. Again, another unapologetically, like, simple line. Straightforward, yeah. Like, go to school, stay off drugs. That's like some Mr. T shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Straight from the 80s. Like, that's like some G.I. Joe PSA, you know? So I like that too. I like this. Uh, I like this song a lot. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Yep. Which I think plays into the whole keep it between the lines yeah. thing. But yeah, that's. Uh, I, I love that line. I said um, is one of my favorites uh, about the you know no ship out on the water is going to pay your rent. Yeah. And again, because it's ambiguous, like I really don't know what he's trying to say. Yeah, because we both interpreted two different ways. Pretty different, but I, I like yours. So then we move on to Sea Stories. Sea Stories. Which this is a great song. This is a great song. Um, it's kind of like a pirate uh, shanty. Yeah, this one feels like a sea shanty way more than the rest. Especially yeah. when he gets into being like, I got sea stories. They're all true. Like mm-hmm. that's when it starts feeling like you don't want to tap your foot. You feel like you're in a tavern, you know? Because the opening of the song is basic was just like Papa said, keep your mouth shut and you'll be fine, mm-hmm. which is all about him when he first joined the Navy. Yeah. So this is about his, t- like straight up about his time in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's funny about this song is it's a, like a country road song, but he uses all of these Japanese and South Pacific names. Yeah. Which you don't normally hear. You think of like a Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere. He names off. All the different cities yeah. in America, like America. Well, he's sticking in the Navy thing, man. Yeah. Unapologetic. He commits to the idea. He commits to the idea. Which is something that we talked about last episode, too, I think. Yeah. We just got to commit to an idea. Yeah. Keep it between the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I like this one. I thought the general, because each one of these I thought was in its own way, something for his son. And the thing I got from this was he's telling about his sea stories in the Navy but he's kind of saying like, collect your own sea stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Good or bad, but collect them, you know, live life. So breaking down some of the, the other lyrics, um, setting out on them high seas feels just like being born. That first poor call in Thailand feels like a polywog turning 19. So I think Sturgill, he joined the Navy right out of high school. Mm-hmm. 
So this is really about a reflection of when he first joined and like all the shit that he saw. And it yeah. goes on to talk about uh, King Cobra's fighting in boxing rings. Mm-hmm. That's something that they do in Thailand yeah. where they have actual like King Cobra snakes fighting in bo- uh, like boxing rings. All the angels yeah. play connect Four. So again, he's saying like, this is all the weird shit I've seen. Go see I've got sea stories shit. and they're all true. They're all true. Yep. So collect your own stories. Angels playing connect Four. You know what the angels are in this? No. So I was trying to figure it out. I think it's it could be one of two things. He could either be talking about the Blue Angels, mm-hmm. like the that's pilots, the first thing I think of pilots in the Navy. Yeah. Or the other thing that I read is he could be talking about like the prostitutes in Thailand, because mm-hmm. sailors are kind of infamous for going to whatever port they're in and fucking prostitutes and shit like that. Yeah. Just drinking a ton, you know, because he says he's seen the whole world from the inside of a bar. Yeah. And when I talked to my dad about it, he was like, he was like, that's the, the one line that I, I relate most to. Because oh. he's like, any place that you yeah. go, you end up in a bar and you yeah. see the whole world from the perspective of a bar. Yeah, that's kind of the military in general. Mm-hmm. The dream thing. There's also a line in it that seems like a sailor's paradise, but it, it turns out to be a bad dream. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a continuation of that thing, too. Yeah. He also had a line. I think this is one of the last lines of the song that I love. Living high beats dying for lies in a politician's world. Yeah. That's a great line. Oh, That's yeah. a fucking t-shirt. Well, let's let's uh, rewind for a second and go back to that verse beforehand. Because he talks about um, sometimes sirens send a ship off course. Yeah. Horizon gets so hazy. Maybe get high, play a little golden eye on that old 64. Which that Ooh. is my favorite lyric of that. Yeah, because he's actually talking about the game. Yeah, he's talking about the game. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. Ca- it's kind of funny. And so it's that's ca- what he was doing to pass the time when he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's good. That went right past me. And if you get sick and can't manage to kick and yep. get yourself kicked out of the Navy, you'll spend the next year trying to score from a futon life raft yep. on the floor. Which again, the ocean being a metaphor. Yeah. He's basically, because Sturgill was uh, up stationed i think in washington at the time mm-hmm. he left and he got hooked on some kind of drugs i don't know what it was he had he had a phase where yeah, he was he, really addicted to yeah. drugs um and i don't know if he actually got kicked out i'm assuming he did just from this probably because three years is an odd uh military contract yeah that's an odd amount of time um but I just love that line because it's like now he's kicked out of the the Navy. He's still in the sea of life and mm-hmm. the futon life raft. on the, It's just such a vivid image. That was great. Yeah, I had that written down, too. And then uh, he says, like, next 15, uh, try to figure out what you did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Which was great. Which is true, dude. Yeah. It's like you look back on shit on your 20s. This is really like a reflection of his entire life up to, up to this point. Someone yeah. looking back. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a great song. I wish he had uh, done the the chorus with the I got sea stories a little bit more. So it was a little bit more like a sea shanty. Yeah, you know. Uh, so the next song, this one shocked me. I did not know this song existed. In Bloom, originally by Nirvana. Nirvana. Sturgill's <laughs> like, a big Nirvana fan. I, that was kind of the era he grew up in. I was literally listening to it, and when it got to the chorus, I I still didn't even think it was a cover. I was like is he just using Nirvana's chorus? And then I looked it up. Yeah, this is a whole, this is a cover, straight cover. cover. So I'm curious what you have to say about this because obviously Nirvana's done it. 
I'm more curious why you think Sturgill A, covered it, and B, put it on this album. Great question. So I don't entirely know trying to figure it out because Mm -hmm. the way that I took the way Kurt Cobain originally did this song, Nirvana did this song, was about, I think it's about just like maybe consumerism and growing up and all that shit, coming of age, Mm -hmm. coming of age with adolescence. So I have a very simple idea for why this is on the album. And it has nothing to do with what the song means. I think, obviously, the time period Sturgill grew up, Nirvana was fucking huge. Yeah. I mean, Nirvana was big for us, and we, yeah. were, we were kind of separated from it. But uh, I thought because this is a, an album for his son, he wanted one song to share with his son that was something he enjoyed growing up. And I thought that was also him almost explaining in an indirect way to his son, this is why I love what I do. This is what made me fall in love with it. Sharing that. That's, yeah. I thought that was why that song, because I didn't think, I'm like, the song itself kind of fits with the themes, but not really. And I almost thought the whole album is such a personal message about fatherhood that I thought that's got to be why Sturgill put it on, just to be like, I just want to share something. I love with my son and it almost explains to why he's saying all this through music. Well, I have, I have something to add to that. Okay. So Sturgill had to write a letter to the estate of Kurt Cobain, which is Kurt's daughter and Courtney love. Yeah. Because he changed one of the lyrics. Oh shit. Okay. Which one did he change? So in the original song, it's knows not what it means. Uh-huh. Knows not what it means. Um, Sturgill changes it, don't know what it means to love someone. So this is what my thought is, how does that fit in with the album? What is the context Mm. for that? Wow, that went right by me. So what's the original lyric? Knows not what it means. Knows not, yeah, that's right. Okay, knows not what it means. Wow. He changed that one Don't know what it means to love someone. Wow. I don't know. Oh, but you know what? Can I give a goofy answer? Sure. Sturgill would have been listening to this song when he was young. Keep going, because I think I'm, I might maybe know what you're going to say. I do have uh, an answer more on this. Okay. I have. A, this is very goofy. This is not artistic at all. Obviously, 90s music, they all kind of use that same either gravelly voice or nasally voice. It was yeah. like one of the two. So a lot of people like when they sing a Pearl Jam song, they sing the wrong fucking lyrics. What if this was what he was singing when he was a teenager and that was part of That's 100% what it is. Oh, Sturgill shit. Sturgill gave gave an interview and he talked Ooh. about that. He said that's what he always heard the lyric as. And he wanted to be like that's another way of saying I listened to this when I was a teenager and I had the lyric wrong and I still loved it. Yeah. Dude, I feel like Nicolas Cage in fucking National Treasure right now. <laughs> I just pieced that whole thing together <laughs> out of nothing. <laughs> that was pretty astute. Wow. That was, wow, that was the confidence boost I need. I feel like, I feel 10 feet tall right now. Next song. Yes. uh, Brace Brace for for Impact. impact, Live a Little. Yes. Parentheses. Yeah, tell me what you think about this. This was the first single from the album. It was released on March 3rd, 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, The opening lyric, one day you'll wake up and this life will be over. That's the first thing that hit me when I heard it. Uh, releasing this as a first single also signified 
like a rock sound because Sturgill was never yeah. like straight rock like that up until this point. Mm-hmm. His two album, first two albums were like country music, which I would still call this whole album country. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty straightforward. I mean, you're yeah. just going to go through life and then, yeah. I mean, we can both attest to this. We've been both out of high school close to a decade now and it, it does seem like the blink of a fucking eye, but once you get to this point, it does, well, when yeah. you start reflecting back, you're like, Oh shit, that was a lifetime ago. Yeah. Short lifetime, short lifetime. But uh, yeah, I thought this was the most, this was the song that most like obviously hit the theme he was going for, which mm-hmm. is good with the bad, you know, yeah. which that was the whole message. Life's going to suck. It's going to be good. Learn lessons from both. And then I thought this was a good example too, of what I was talking about with the songs kind of clashing and almost taking on a C form, mm-hmm. you know, for you, because this had a lot of soft sounds mixed with really hard sounds. Like he has a chorus of singers who are very soft and very light. But then you hear the drums and the guitar in some parts. It's, it's very hard. It's coming in very hard. So he's mixing it. And so this is the one I felt like that's why this is probably the the song that's most representative of what the album is, both sound wise and thematically speaking. Yeah. So. Yeah, I loved it. I, there's not much to say about this one because it's just, again, it's everything we're talking about all kind of spun into one song, which felt like that was the whole reason for this song existing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, it's the, the first single. That makes sense. Yeah. He probably specifically made this song for that. Like, yeah. This is the one that just says what it's about. Yeah. Dick on the table, you know. So then we go into All Around You. All Around You. Which references a line in the very first song when he says, open your heart. And you'll find love is all around you mm-hmm. or to a degree says that he talks about life being a dream in this one too. Right. Yep. goes back to it. So this one's more, uh, of like a classic R and B ballad. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I take it as is like, uh, from parent to child, that mm-hmm. kind of love that exists, which again, you know, some of this stuff we're, we're only experiencing, as the child, since that's all we know, because we haven't had kids, but he, he sings that's about what was interesting about listening to this, the bond being eternal and all that stuff. And yeah. It's like, even after we're both gone, our love will still exist. Mm-hmm. And I think this is about love being the strongest emotion that there is. Yeah. And that using that to keep hope. Exactly. Because he says, like, there's there's a couple lines that really stuck out to me. One was when he says, don't be afraid. Life is unkind. I thought that was really interesting because it was a very positive message mixed with a very harsh truth. Mm-hmm. It, and he's almost saying life is unkind. Don't be afraid anyway. You know what I mean? And I love another line he said was when he was talking about skies fall apart. I thought that was that's one of the best lyrics I've ever heard just because it's apocalyptic sounding and it can relate to anything. And I think he is saying in your own life, you will reach so many points where it feels like your entire world is ending. The skies fall apart. It could be a breakup. It could be loss of a job, whatever. I'm sure we've both had moments where it feels like you're looking up and you're in the middle of the apocalypse. Yeah. You almost wish it was the apocalypse. Well, the other way that that line can be interpreted as well as skies fall apart whatever that apocalypse is, is going to fall away. Mm-hmm. And the sun exactly. Will come back out again. Yeah. That was what he was trying to say. Yeah. So I think he's, he's simplifying it saying like skies fall apart. It happens all the time. So when it's happening, don't think it's the end of the world. It's and it, go, it goes back to you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm or you're just leaving a storm. Yeah, you're right. It does go back to that. Oh, this is actually the one where he says, uh, there will be nights that go on forever. Yeah. I think I said that was in a different song. Yeah, it was in yeah. this one. 
Yeah, like you're lost at sea, never to be found. And again, he's saying this is very negative, but it's going to end. Like that's this song is everything's temporary. Yeah. You know, I think that's what he's trying Except to say. Except for love. Except for love. Yeah. He, he even, he has another unapologetically simple line. He says, God is everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's just like, fuck it. Inside I'm just going to say it. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, that's really what the song's about. And then next, next, I, I really want to know if you have background on this one. Oh, Sarah. This is about his, his wife. That's he, what I thought. He originally recorded this song, um, with his band Sunday Valley. So this is a re-record of it. The first version Interesting. is very different. How is it different? Is it darker? Is it It's it's more like guitar based. It's not mm. nece- it's more of like a picker kind of a song like okay. cuz his band was like a bluegrass country band. Yeah. This is and I again the whole reason I thought this was on the album is just because he wanted one song about the mother of his kid, Yeah, you know, to give again. And if it's directly for his son, he's giving him an idea of their relationship, the good and the bad, mm-hmm. which I think is really great. That's really kind of poetic. Um, He said one line I loved because I was like, I feel this all the time. He says, I already know what you're going to say. Go for it. Oh, should I say it or should you should say, you it? say it? Say it. Uh, I'm sorry for seeming crazy. Sometimes um, I'm sorry for seeming crazy, but goddamn, sometimes I feel crazy. Yeah. What a great, what a great line. It's actually so. Forgive me if sometimes I seem a little yes, crazy, yeah. but goddamn, sometimes crazy is how yeah. I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great, dude. To me, this song's really about the vulnerability and struggles of love, mm-hmm. and being intimate with a person and having a person think so. know you that well. Yeah. It, it seems like when you get into a relationship and you have that intimate knowledge of someone else's yeah. soul, you see the entirety of them. You see the good and the bad. Yeah. And I, I think I think this song is also about a certain type of person being in a relationship. And I think he's almost giving this as a gift to his son, being like, if you're anything like me, you're going to have these struggles because it's about a. You know, uh, an artist in a relationship, basically. Yeah. Someone who, because there's a one great line, again, any artist who's been in a relationship, you've probably heard something like this. Uh, he says, oh, this is the woman speaking, by the way. She says, so I can go on with my life and you can go on with your strife. Yes. You know, and he's, again, it's, I think it is like a, a piece of advice for a son being like, if you're like me. if Don't you get in your own way. Yeah. Because again, he says earlier, the only word you're ever going to need to know in life is why. And again, that can lead to a difficult life. Because yeah. if you're that person. The other side of the axe. Yeah. You're not ignorantly living in bliss. You're very much in your head a lot of the time. And that can Questioning lead to Questioning a relationship. And that, that can lead to huge issues in a relationship. Yeah. You know, when you're this person who is, uh, you know, thinks you need pain in your life to be whatever it is you are. Or you're someone who constantly questions things. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's hard to settle down or settle into anything so i thought this was this was great this was another this was one of my favorites too just because it was different hello i'm johnny b essential worker star of radio television and various bedrooms across the country my friends from the man of science man of faith podcast are closely monitoring all aspects of this stupid covid19 pandemic and they've asked me yeah me to pass along some words of wisdom to you Well, number one, to protect yourself from this coronavirus, stop being a fat ass. Number two, stock up on always needed supplies like murder hammers, condoms and weed, not toilet paper. 
And number three, don't forget to wash your damn hands. And hey, show us that smile because we're all in this together. This message is brought to you by Giant Meteor 2020. And then we hit Call to Arms. The final song, which... If this there, is his... If there's no a song, one yeah. fuck you for asking. Yeah, this is... If there's a song to blow out this album, this is it. Because this is the biggest fucking song there is. Yeah. Um, and it's great, man. It's the least serious of any of them, which is a great way to end an album like this. Yeah. Because he's basically just wrapping it up, just like, you know what, man? Just have a good time. Just party. Because the world is bullshit. Yeah. Because you feel like part when you listen to this, it's a long song. And when you're halfway through it, like you feel like you're tapping your feet in a bar with someone playing this live. Mm-hmm. And that's that orchestra quality that's added. Because after a minute, you're just like, fuck, this does not feel like I'm listening to a CD. I would say this is uh, also the only one on the album that has or the one that has the most straight ahead country feel to it. Yeah, I, I wrote. Because it has that country kind of. I wrote, I kind of got uh, Skinnered vibes, actually. Yeah. That sort of country, kind of rock and roll country. It's very like just being played in a bar, you know? Um, yeah, and it's big, man. It's a big fucking song. He talks a lot of shit on this one. He does. It's a very rebellious song. Which I think is interesting, too, because it's really like a normal American perspective mm-hmm. where he. Because basically, called, the song is called call the fucking arms and he's bullshit on the tv bullshit on the radio hollywood's telling me how to be and he's saying fuck you hollywood (laughs) the bullshit's gotta go yep hollywood gets put on the hit list for sure (laughs) that was a great i love they put that in yeah because you can't there's no country artist with like quote unquote more mainstream success like just more poppy country artists they would never say something like that. No, they're trying to get all like movie deals. A label shit. would be like, are you fucking kidding me? You are not putting that in a song. And Sturgill just doesn't give a fuck. No. He's like, oh yeah, that whole source of fucking income. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. Stop telling me how to live. Well, I think he knew that he was going to get a big reaction from this album just because it was so different. And he, I don't know what the budget was for this album, but I'm guessing it was a lot. And he's like, even for just a song like this, it's got to be huge. I think he thought I'm burning it all to the ground. Yeah. And I'm not leaving anything out there if I if I do this. He played this one on SNL. And you said he that's awesome. He played it on SNL. That's awesome. And you said he had had some success before this. So this was probably him going. I got to take one big swing. Yeah. Because I'm kind of there. But I'm not there. This is Big Dick Rambo. Yeah, this is Big Dick Rambo. This is walking in, your dick just hanging out, and you are just taking full fucking credit for the room. It's it's walking into a bar and tapping the biggest guy on the shoulder and challenging yeah. him to a fight. Yeah. Or kissing his girlfriend. Yeah. Just like, you don't <laughs> give a fuck. Well, he talks a lot about, um, like, the, the Afghanistan wars. Mm-hmm. Kim Jong Il, like yeah. grandma selling pills, all this yeah. shit that are, are real American problems. And it's and this is a song where might really to me it's like the perspective of an American soldier, where it's mm. you're fighting a war that you don't want any part in, that you yeah. don't agree with, but it's your job. And I think too, he was just trying to point to the just utter chaos of life. And he's almost turning it into a party. He's like, just be a rebel, man. It's all going to shit. It's all burning down. And there's nothing you can do about there's it. There's nothing you can do about it. Just be you, man, and keep dancing. That's what this song does. It makes you want to dance, but it's it's a very, um, 
It's a protest song. This is true. This early, is true, like, Neil like Young, you know? It doesn't sound like Neil Young, but I'm saying he yeah. did a lot of songs like this where you're you're kind of like, oh, wow, this is great. And yeah. he's talking about how fucked up the entire world is. Yeah. <laughs> so I like this song. It was perfect choice to end it. Perfect first song, perfect last song. That's a real arc with this album. Yeah. From Welcome to Earth to Call to Arms. You know, it's from fucking birth to adulthood right there. So the aftermath of this album. Yes. He was nominated and won Best Country Album, and he was also nominated for Album of the Year. And he Mm. was up against Adele, Beyonce, Justin Bieber, and Drake for Album of the Year. He didn't win. Damn. Adele won. How was Sturgill in that group? I don't know, dude. That's like, crazy. Sturgill is a great mystery, dude. You know more than one of them heard the nominees and went, who's Sturgill Simpson? Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that, dude, because he started selling shirts after the Grammys that said, that said who the fuck is Sturgill Simpson? Jesus on? Christ. Are me and Sturgill Simpson, do we have the same brain? Like, <laughs> I think you might. But yeah, he won, and they didn't have him on the broadcast for winning the award, and when he went up to take his Grammy... Like they cut it out of the broadcast? They, it was like uh, one of those before like... Oh, fuck that. Early ones. That's a big album though. I mean, a big award, I mean. It is. To just give away like that. I have I have conspiracy theories about this anyways. Okay. But when he went up to go get his award, he said the revolution will not be televised. And Ooh. he walked off, dude. There's no saying that gets my dick harder than the revolution will not be televised. Because he knows, That dude. is the most badass American thing you can ever fucking say. Well, he's also said um, before in interviews, he said, because he's talked about how the Nashville establishment hates him and everything like that. Well, they seem to. He said... Um, I'm going to be 10 years from now. This was a couple of years ago. He said this 10 years from now, I'm going to be the biggest country star in the world. And there's nothing that Nashville can do about it. That's a man who got success late in life. That's a confidence that comes when you worked your ass off for not years, decades. Yeah. And then you find success. Then you get the right to say shit like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he won that. He uh, performed on the Grammys. He did Mm -hmm. all around you. So that was televised. He played with the the Dap Kings, the horn section. He played with them along with mm-hmm. his band. Um, and I guess at the time he was really sick. He was super sick after the performance. He had to get like his he had a bad sinus infection, had to get like his nasal cavity scraped out and all this shit. He was mm-hmm. which actually he started listening to a bunch of music preparing for his, his next album, his fourth album, Sound of Fury. But. That's another episode. That's a, yeah, that's a whole episode. Yeah, that's a whole episode yeah. itself. But um, yeah, so he won that. I mean, he he had been, already been on Joe Rogan a couple of times, I think, before that too. But he did Joe Rogan, shit like that. But um, yeah, he, he just went up there and said, the revolution will not be televised. Oh. And after the Grammy, the performance uh, and winning the Grammy, his streams on Spotify went up 347%. Well, I was going to say, because I can tell you people right now who would know all those nominees names and still would not know Sturgill. Yeah. So that must have been a huge introduction for him to a lot of fucking people. The other thing that happened was uh, the following. I think it was within the next year or something like that. Bridgestone Arena. There was a what are the CMA Awards? So CMA Fest, CMA Fest there was the, uh, the giant awards thing that happens that Nashville just basically yeah. jerks itself off. 
yeah. with all their country people, people like Keith Urban, Florida Georgia Line, Garth Brooks. Sturgill went there and he was not invited. He bust, like played guitar and sang outside of the building with his Grammy in his fucking Hell yeah. case. Hell yeah. And he said that they didn't invite True Country to Damn. the CMAs. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will That's not what be he was televised, saying. dude. He was putting it into action. So he, he was basically giving a giant middle finger to them for not inviting him. Good for him. But you know what? Again, this is... This is why I find Sturgill so inspirational. It's not just his talent as a songwriter and a musician, but the fact that he's one of the few guys, especially in the country scene, who got success late in life. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about a dude who fought for where the fuck he is in life, this is the dude. Well, he quit for a little while and left Nashville and then came back because his wife said, you need to try and do this. Yeah. Because you hate your job and you're miserable when he was working at the railroad. How crazy is that? And it's inspirational for us. I mean, we're at very peculiar times for a very, very peculiar age for artists. Yeah. And I got to say, it's great seeing someone like late thirties. And then those are the people who have the fuck you attitude because on it, because they fucking deserve it. You know what I mean? Because the industry is not going to invite they you They lived in. life. They know a thing or two more than everyone else. Once you get past a certain age, you're not seen as profitable anymore. No. If you're trying to come up through the system, yeah. Which someone that did come up through the system, who I do like and respect, Chris Stapleton. Yeah, he's kind of he the mainstream went, version of all these guys. He went through the system, was writing songs for all the big country acts and everything like that. And Sturgill and him respect each other and everything like that. Uh, Chris Stapleton actually brought Sturgill on SNL. That's huge. That like it wasn't said that Sturgill was going to be playing yeah. with him. He just came out on stage, and they yeah. didn't know until Sturgill was on stage playing. I uh, I like Chris Stapleton. Uh, I have noticed though he is sort of viewed by people who do listen to you know Tyler Childers and White Buffalo and all these guys. He is kind of viewed as like the mainstream version of them. Yeah, for sure. But I'll say that's nothing to hold against him. He's no, still very he's talented. I wouldn't say he's quite doing what like Sturgill is doing. No. But he's definitely a different flavor yeah, for the mainstream. And him doing something like that for Sturgill, that's cool. Yeah, that shows he gets He, re- he, he gets recognizes it, it dude, because yeah, he's he gets knee it. deep in that system. Yeah. And he knows what it's like. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So overall thoughts on this album? Overall thoughts. Um, it's one of my favorite albums. Mm-hmm. I dig the metaphor of life being like the sea. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's violent. Sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes it's both. Yeah, this is uh, definitely, I would say, again, I, I don't usually listen to an album from the first song to the last song, but this is an album to do that with, man. If you just sit down and listen to this, it's a fucking spiritual journey, man. I did see Sturgill at the Ryman on this tour. Mm-hmm. Um, While he's it, doing this album. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what he did was he came out and played songs from his first two albums and a couple of covers, and he came back out for another set and played the album start to finish Damn. and replicated it. Um, I was super drunk that night. That was like the drunkest ever. And I drank a whole bottle of wine on my own. Oh Jesus! I, I went to the show alone. I drank and a I'm, bottle of wine. I'm not. I'm not a drinker, dude. So I don't. I didn't. You and every other like 40 year old mom there that night had drank a bottle of yeah, wine. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was Trader Joe's wine. Oh fuck! But yeah, uh, it felt the energy in the room felt fucking incredible because it felt like Sturgill wasn't supposed to be there yeah like he was never supposed like it was boot stomping dude like yeah people were freaking the fuck out in a way that i've never seen at a show 
it was like uh, everybody in the audience was in on something. Mm-hmm. Sold out show. He sold out, I think, three nights at the Ryman. Wow. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He still doesn't get the credit he deserves. No. And he never will because he's he's not going to go through the system. But the fans love him, dude. Yeah. He's all about the fans. He's got that undeniable success now. So one other thing that I wanted to touch on before we end this is how this kind of led to what he did next. Because he won that Grammy Mm -hmm. and he fired most of his band. Um, He kept the bass player, who is this guy, Chuck Bartles, who came on during the Sailor's Guide to Earth tour. Um, His drummer that played on the album that had been playing with him for a while, the keyboard player. But he fired the guitar player, fired the horns, all those people. And he just went. They became like a, a straight rock band after that, which, of course, is kind of what his next album ended up being. Like yeah. Sound of Fear. yeah, his next album is totally different. But he started playing bigger venues after the Grammy win. Um, so he started he went from playing theaters to playing amphitheaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of interesting, too, because he went in a different creative direction. Yeah. Because he kind of felt like he ran the cycle. He's like, okay, I ended up doing all this. Now's the time to go out on the road, cash in, and be able to kind of make more money and try something new. At least that's what yeah. I take from it. No, yeah. And that's the sort, again, that's the sort of wisdom I feel like that comes with he didn't have success at 23. No. You know what I mean? He put in the work. So, do you want to tease what we're doing next episode? Um, I got one thing to. Oh, what do you got? To. Well, tease what you're doing, and then I'll, I'll end it with what I have. Okay. Uh, yeah, so next episode we're going to be doing, we went from a TV show to music, and now we're going to do a movie, and then we'll keep kind of jumping around like that, and we're going to do the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. So what do you got? Okay, so Sturgill posted on Instagram. Um, I think it was around the time that the album came out, or before it came out, maybe. Uh, he said, true or false, my entire country music career, in air, or, uh, quotes, is a character-based performance art piece in the form of five sequential concept albums, all following the traditional Christian narrative of the journey of a human soul and inspired entirely by a Christoph- Chris Christopherson chorus I heard one day while stoned out of my mind when I was 33 years old. And I figured I could read you what it was. Okay. He's a poet. He's a picker. He's a prophet. He's a liar. He's a pilgrim and a preacher and a problem when he's stoned. He's a walking contradiction, partly truth, partly fiction, taking every wrong direction on his lonely way back home. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.